0: Our gospel reading today is from Matthew 22, uh, verses 1 through 14. I'll give you a second to find Matthew 22. Once more, Jesus spoke to them in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his slaves to call those who had been invited to the wedding banquet, but they would not come. Again, he sent other slaves, saying, tell those who have been invited, look, I've prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they made light of it and went away, one to his farm, another to his business. While they, the rest seized his slaves, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his troops, destroyed those murderers, and burned their city. Then he said to his slaves, The wedding is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go, therefore, into the main streets and invite everyone you find to the wedding banquet. Those slaves went out into the streets and gathered all whom they found, both good and bad, so the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man who was not wearing a wedding robe, and he said to him, Friend, how did you get in here without a wedding robe? And he was speechless. Then the king said to his attendants, Bind him at hand and foot, and throw him out into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Um, when I was in college, there was a surefire way to get people to your meeting for your club or whatever, whatever it is you wanted to come to. And you just put out a sign and you advertise you were going to have free pizza, right? You have free food, people will come. That's not just a college thing. That's true in the world in general. If there's free food, people are going to show up because who doesn't like free food? Uh, There was an economist one time who said that uh, there's no such thing as a free lunch. And what he meant by that is, you know, it always costs you the second best thing to do. But it seems that when it comes to food, people usually don't have a second best thing to do. They want to show up when there's free food. And so when we read this parable that Jesus told his disciples in the last week of his life while he was on his way to the cross, it, it probably strikes us a little strangely. I mean, who... Hears that the king has invited you to a wedding banquet where there's going to be a feast, and you wouldn't show up. Who would do such a thing? And so this strange story that Jesus tells should call us to think, think pretty deeply about what it means to be invited to God's wedding banquet and what it means to come to God's table and to respond to the invitation that God offers us. In the story that Jesus tells this king, he, he has a son who's going to get married, so he sends out his servants. He sends out the first wave, and he invites people to come to the wedding. He come, there's going to be a wedding. Come and, and feast. And people don't respond to it. And so he sends out a second wave of servants to go and say to the people, okay, Come. There is a wedding banquet going on. There's free food. Come and join in on this party that's about to happen. But when the servants go out and they meet people, this is the first they meet, and the person goes off to his farm. The second one they meet, it goes off to take care of of other business that he has. And then the others are seized and killed. So the king, of course, is enraged, and he sends his troops to go and destroy the city where people rejected his invitation. And then he tells his slaves, go out and find anyone that you can find, the good people and the bad people, the folks that are respectable and the folks that aren't respectable, and bring them all in, bring them in, and fill up this wedding hall for this banquet for my son. So those of you who were here last week um, and uh, heard the sermon about... The parable of the wicked tenants might notice a couple of things that are are similar, some common themes. That parable told a story about a landowner who established this uh, vineyard, and then he goes off into a foreign land. So the, the landowner was like God, and in this story, the king is like God. He's throwing this banquet. And then he sends his slaves, and in the previous parable, as with this one, the slaves are the prophets of Israel who go to call the people back to participate in what God is doing, but the people don't listen. And then in the previous parable, there were these tenants who uh, rejected and then killed those who were sent to invite them, including the king's son. In this story we have the folks who were invited to the banquet, who don't participate, who don't take up the invitation that they've been extended. You know, when if you invite me to your house and uh, you say there's free food, first of all, I'm going to show up. If you invite me to their house, there's free food. But let's just say that you invited someone to your house and, and you said, hey, I'd really like for you to come and, and have dinner with me, and then they just didn't show up. And you probably think that was rude, right? But what we have here is is a case of more than just rudeness. For, for one person to reject an invitation, that I mean, that might be not so nice, but The king's reaction here, he goes and he destroys the city and he kills everybody, should tell us that what's going on is something a little more than rudeness. When everyone rejects an invitation, and when the invitation that you're rejecting is offered by the king, that's not rudeness, that's rebellion. And the story here is about a people who said, you know what, you might say you're the king, but we don't care what you say. That's rebellion. And so the king goes and he finds other people to be his people. So Jesus' audience, when they heard this story, they would have been picking up those themes. I mean, They would have heard that, and he had just told a parable with some similar ideas. But there's something else going on here, because this parable is about a wedding banquet in particular. And in the Old Testament, there's a, a consistent image of what God will do at the end of the age when he welcomes in not only Israel, but people from all over the world to be his people. And the image that's offered is of a great feast happening. You might remember this in particular from Isaiah 55, where it says this, Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. You that have no money, come, buy and eat. Buy wine and milk without money and without price. The image of what God will do at the end of time is to welcome people from all over the world into his kingdom. And that was how Israel thought about what God was going to do. And then the Christians, in response to to this story and to others, begin to talk about what it will mean when Christ returns at the end of the age. So Jesus, when he tells this story, he's drawing on this imagery from Isaiah and other places where he says there's going to be a banquet. And in fact, it's going to be a wedding banquet. And the Christian audience that Matthew wrote this to, and he's telling the story in this way, is going to be thinking about what we call the Messianic banquet. The banquet when, when Jesus returns to his people. Um, you might know this from, from um, the revelation of John, where he talks about when Christ comes back, there will be this great celebration where Christ is, in a sense, marrying the church. It will be the wedding feast of the Lamb. And this is what Revelation 19, starting with verse 7, says, "...let us rejoice and exult and give, give him the glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready." it has been granted to be clothed with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these words are true words of God. The wedding supper of the Lamb. This is a story about what it means to be invited to be one of Christ's people." And that invitation comes not to the folks who think that they've earned it. It doesn't come to the people who uh, think that because of their money or because of their moral worth that they have a seat at God's table. But it comes to the people who, good and bad, are there simply because of God's invitation to them. And brothers and sisters, when we show up to be a part of God's people, We can't think that we've earned our place in or that we've bought our place in because we're only there by the invitation of the one who welcomes his enemies to sit at the table with him. That is the the vision that Jesus is offering his disciples in the last week of his life. This is a story that we as a church, we still live in it. The early Christians, they would have these things called love feasts every night of the week, they would get together and they'd they'd eat a meal together. And at the end of that meal, or at some point in that meal, depending on the time and place, they would celebrate the Lord's Supper. And so, sharing a meal together became a way to build up the body and to remind them that they were all, in a sense, right then a part of what God's going to do when God comes back in Christ. But we so often in the church, we, we forget that that's while we're there, and we start to think like the people who reject the invitation when it comes to us. You know, we say that uh, we're too busy, I've got to go attend to this business, I've got to go attend to my farm, or we might even, like the folks who kill the slaves that are sent, do violence to God's table, and we do that when we start to think that we've earned our place there. I know of a church in Nashville, I don't like to bash other churches, but this is just crazy, uh, that advertise itself on a billboard as a church for young professionals. Seriously. The church is a church for all people of all ages and nations and generations. But don't think that we're better because we, I mean, we all do this in some way or another. And lots of churches start to think that the church revolves around them and, and their family and the folks that they know. It's the same kind of thing, thinking that the church is restricted to just a particular group of people. Um, I ran into a friend of mine at the grocery store yesterday who was telling me about her home church in Kemper County that does exactly that. Had somebody stand up and said, you know, this is our church, It's our family church. Said, no, it's not your family church, it's Christ's church. And so for us, we have to, I think, constantly be on guard to ask ourselves, are we, are we setting boundaries? Are we cutting people off from coming to the invitation that Christ has offered them. We live in a zip code of, I uh, looked it up, 1,322 people more or less. We don't have room, just practically, we don't have room to set boundaries because our church is called to be a church for all people. You know, we, we, uh, we call us, our churches together a charge, and the charge there, the idea is not only is it my pastoral charge over the four churches, but it's our church's charge to be in ministry to our whole community because all of us are ministers of God. All of us are called to care for this place that God has given us. And I think, uh, in many ways, it's a great thing that we have these four different congregations spread out in different places where we can get to know people where they are and be in those communities and have a living presence to the invitation of God where we are. So we're, even though we're, and it's great that we can come together today and celebrate our unity and mission while going out and then going back to those places live out the gospel where God has called us there. It's a great thing. But when we come to the table, we can't come thinking that it's our table. Uh, I came across this great quote uh, by this theologian named Ernst Caseman talking about the Lord's Supper and how it was practiced by the early Christians. And he said this, the Lord's Supper is not only the feast of the deeply unworthy, but is also the feast of the needy, the yearning, the oppressed, the despairing the accursed of this world because the supper is the reflection of Golgotha. It's the reflection of Christ on the cross in our present time. No one can be a guest of the crucified. No one can be a guest of Jesus who is unable to cast off the cloak of borrowed or imagined piety in order to stand with the naked, the freezing, and the despised outside the church to be their neighbor. When we... When we truly celebrate the Lord's Supper, the line from the 23rd Psalm is fulfilled. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. When we come to the cross, we come to God as his enemies, those who wanted nothing to do with him but are there by invitation. And no matter how far along we get in our Christian journey, we still stand there by the grace of God, or at least we should keep that in mind. Now, that doesn't mean that there's not a change that needs to happen in our lives. And in this story, Jesus talks about the man who's there without a wedding garment, and the king comes to him and says, why aren't you wearing a wedding garment? And in the early church, in baptism, they would don you with a, you were baptized, start naked. uh, And then they would put a robe on you, a white robe on you, to signify your new life, the new clothing that you've been clothed with. And when we're invited to the table, we're invited as ones who are, entering into a work of transformation in our lives. Because God loves us, He wants us to become like Him. He wants us to reflect who He is. And so, yes, the invitation is to all, but the invitation is also to come and to be changed, to encounter God in such a way that it changes the way that you live. It changes the way that you interact. It's not enough just to show up at church. People can show up at church for a lifetime, but it doesn't Change who they are. But when you encounter the living God at his table, it should change who.